your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Some talk about shutting down the SNBL after day one and just letting the teams at one move on to the playoffs. Any any truth to that, maybe? Possibly. I mean, yeah. If <laughs> if you want if you want to eke out a one run victory against the uh, the computer Arizona Diamondbacks and just anoint yourself to champs, then yeah, we could just save ourselves a whole bunch of time. <laughs> oh, we have scores. Be, we do have scores. scores to talk about. How about that? That's going to be great. Uh, something tells me the Farmers, which is the fans' team, right? Isn't that the yeah. fans' team? They're going to they be are. tough to beat. <laughs> the, the that lineup can just mash. <laughs> I mean, oh my God. Uh, granted, granted, Tim's team's bad. Um, <laughs> they, they, I, uh, they they still who, what pitcher were they going up against? Josh, they're going up against a who's Tim's? They're going up against Chris Sale, I think. Yes, they're going Chris up Sale. A, still going up against a good pitcher. Well, and Tim had uh, Clayton him. Kershaw taken off his team by the Farmers, so that would have that's probably who he would have had on the mound. Yeah, yeah, tough day for Tim Curran. Yeah, Tim's Tim's uh, fantasy Husker team didn't do too well in our poll either earlier in the week. Maybe maybe we're on to something. We welcome you to a Thursday edition of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you're being safe out there today. A lot of the state getting socked in by snow. Here's my question to, uh, to ponder for the day. Can you have a winter storm warning when it's not winter? I mean, we're, we're, we're a month into spring, but we're, I don't know. Maybe you could just train, change the verbiage. Because if you say spring storm warning, you're thinking thunderstorm. Right. Yeah. Wow. It's been it's been coming down here, at least in Lincoln, for f- five, six hours and pretty good pace for a lot of that. But So hope everybody's being safe wherever you are throughout uh, the state. Might be a good thing we're not having the spring game on Saturday. We might be shoveling snow out of people's seats so they could get into the stadium on Saturday. Man, can you imagine that? I I remember the years where we're shoveling snow off Haymarket Park uh, to get to get snow off the field for baseball, but I can't ever recall shoveling snow off Memorial Stadium field no. and and the and the seats to <laughs> for fans. To, there there was that one year where the tornado almost ripped through uh, and ended up canceling the game. I think that was in 2012. It was, but yeah, nothing nothing like this. And Husker baseball was supposed to be home this weekend too. I don't. I'm not sure there'd be much of a chance at all of playing a baseball game tomorrow. Now I know the sun's going to come out tomorrow and it's going to get in the 40s. Most of this will probably melt away, but I still don't know that you could get Hawks Field ready to go by tomorrow night. Can you imagine the visiting team landing a plane in Omaha today and, and go going what? <laughs> playing baseball here, huh? <laughs> Uh, They're still saying 60s by Saturday, so maybe we would have been all right for all that. Speaking of the spring game, the athletic department did announce a couple days ago they're going to do a virtual game. Yesterday, Ben, they announced the the Reds team. Today, the white team came out. Um, You love to dive into odds and all this type of thing. As you sized up those two rosters, which way would you lean, red or white, for this thing on Saturday? One thing I really liked was just the uh, kind of like when we went to to pick our teams, you know, we had all the different uh, eras, right? So then you look at, you know, 
obviously Eric Crouch, and and then you think about him pairing up with Jeff Kinney and Corey Schlesinger and Will Shields and Dave Remington. I mean, that's a pretty loaded, loaded offense, um, and it's just so fun to see the uh, the old paired with the new, and you're trying to figure out who would be better. Um, you know, looking at the defenses, uh, I like the red defense, but I think I like the white defense just a little bit better. Um, I mean, Levante, Carlos Polk, and then we got Ralph Brown, Fabian Washington, Mike Brown, and Mike Minner. That, I mean, that back seven's just loaded. And then well, you the give defensive me, front's not bad. I was going to say, then you give me you give me Glover and Sue lining up next to each other. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take that. Uh, and Broderick Thomas was on my on my fantasy team, so I obviously yeah. have a special affinity towards him as well. But I think I'm taking the white. Give me the give me the white team by by about a touchdown. I was I was um, on one of our affiliates did a, a guest slot this morning, and the roster had just come out, and we quickly went through. Okay, would you take the red? running backs over the white or would you take the white over the red we went position by position and we kind of came up with the whites as well being the favorite i think we kind of set it a little bit under a touchdown thinking maybe about four points but yeah that's kind of where i would lean i would lean more white than red in this game but my goodness how how much fun is this going to be to to go watch this thing and this is going to be like you know ea college football from they stopped doing that game four or five years ago but this is that's what it's going to be when you tune in um, on Huskers.com on Saturday at 1 o'clock to watch it. That's what you're going to see as these guys plugged into the system like that. That'll be yeah, fun. Yeah, I, I, uh, I know who's kind of the brainchild behind this whole thing, and, and I'm wondering if that person or persons are going to be in charge of creating the players too because I, I'm, I'm eager to find out what are they rating Eric Crouch's speed? What are they rating yeah. Levante David's tackling? What are they rating? You know, if you're going through and manually creating each player – I'd, I'd be curious to know how they're coming up with their ratings because um, that, that, I mean, that, that inevitably will matter. You know, this, this has nothing to do with anything we're talking about, but every time the NCAA, the last NCAA football game gets brought up, I think of Josh, Marty, you might've been even living with me at the time. I don't remember, but um, the game releases at midnight in like July. Uh, the, the last game, the NCAA every year would come out on in July and it was the last year, and of course, you know, in Lincoln at at you know one of the stores that that carries the copy of of NCAA, you know, you go there at eleven forty five, and there's a group of you know fifty college guys at this at this spot close to campus to pick up this video game at midnight, and I'll never forget it. The last year in front of me, there was a young man wearing a Husker football shirt, and he looked like a a football player and sure enough it was Amir Abdullah his freshman <laughs> year and I we had gotten to talking because it was I mean it was like twelve fifteen, and they hadn't had the games ready and we were just complaining to each other that they weren't prepared for this they had to go find all the uh find all the copies and it, that was back when Amir had his dreadlocks and before you know we had ever seen him you know in a Husker game and I joked with him about that story all four years he was in Lincoln, and and I, I'm Josh. Were you with me? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty were, sure I was with you in that line. I can't remember what year that was, but I was definitely yeah, with you. Yeah, Amir Abdullah is standing in front of me, and I, I'm thinking, man, you're a football player. You don't look familiar. Obviously, I knew it was a freshman, but yeah, here he was. He was mad because he couldn't get his copy at midnight. He wanted to go home and play it. 
That's fantastic. Well, that's what everybody will see if you tune in around 1 o'clock on Huskers.com on Saturday. Um, you're going to hear Matt and I calling this game. So uh, look out. We'll see how. How'd you do Matt your chart? Might, Matt might be bitter, you know, about this thing, that he's not a part of this deal. I don't know. We'll have well, to see. His his feelings can, can turn around when he finds out that Tim drafted him with his second pick. <laughs> Maybe that'll make him feel make him feel better, but – I mean, yeah, you show up with charts writing Grant Wistrom's name down and uh, and Jeff Kinney's name down. <laughs> It'd be kind of fun. It's going to be a blast. So we're looking forward to that. Again, that's Saturday afternoon. Uh, we, tomorrow night, will have our Nebraska Lottery greatest game of the week. And we're piggybacking on the Eric Crouch announcement yesterday of joining the Nebraska Hall of Fame. We're going to play back that terrific 2001 matchup between the Huskers and the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, Memorial Stadium was certainly jumping and alive for that one. You had two teams ranked in the top five for that matchup. So that's what we'll have tomorrow night at this time, a chance for you to relive that 01 Nebraska-Oklahoma game. And, you know, and I I know a lot of people certainly have great memories of that game. I I remember watching a lot of that game myself. I'm sure you do too, Ben, watching that 01 matchup with with Oklahoma. Yeah, I I do remember that very well. And I remember – one of the things I remember specifically about it was we we had a, a peewee football game right before that, and so everybody, uh, coaches included, were rushing home to get that game. And I remember, you know, like warming up before our game, and you know, when we were, we were eleven years old or something like that. And um, I just remember all of our coaches, which happened to be like players' dads, couldn't care less about our game that day. <laughs> all of them were talking about the Nebraska Oklahoma game and trying to get home to watch it. I remember that very specifically. And now, I mean, at, at 11, you probably don't understand it, but all those guys lived through uh, the big-time rivalry with Oklahoma. So it makes a lot of sense that they would be fired up for that one, you know, in the in the early 2000s for, uh, for a matchup of, of top five teams against Oklahoma. But I just remember that. I remember playing and then getting in the car and rushing home and – and then, of course, watching the game. Uh, I think I—I I don't even know if I ever changed out of my like football pants. I think I <laughs> sat in sat the basement around. in the football pants, uh, <laughs> watching the game. But yeah, those, of course, you know the the pass to Crouch and and the Huskers winning that game. It, uh, you know, it's one of the few few very clear, distinct memories I have of a of a Husker game being little. Two thirty game, I think. Right? I, I think it was middle afternoon. I know it was di- during the day. It was not a night game. And I don't think it was an 11 a.m. type kickoff. I'm pretty sure it was like 2.30 ABC game with that one. For, do you remember? Mm, Your game probably would have been right. in the morning, right? Your game probably yeah. would have been late morning, midday. Yeah, Probably. So we'll have it for you tomorrow night. Looking forward to listening back to that one tomorrow and hearing all the great names from, from that era of Husker football. That's a Nebraska team that went on to go play for the BCS title later that year against a stacked Miami team in the Rose Bowl. That was that team was ridiculous. That Miami team in 01. Didn't matter who played no. Miami in that no. game. And, and the crazy thing, and it, and it sounds weird to say, you don't ever say what could have been, but if a couple plays early didn't happen the way that they did, you wonder how long Nebraska could have hung, hung in that one. Yeah. But it was just clear that those those aliens were on another planet that night. I mean – and that's hard to say against a Nebraska team that was loaded with talent, but that's that in terms of talent, not, I'm not saying they're the best team, but in terms of talent on one team, that is probably the most talented team ever assembled in college football. 
Yeah, I, I, you would not get a lot of argument from, from me. Oh, Josh says it was an eleven o'clock kick, so it was late morning kickoff. So you must have had an early football game for your yeah little league got, football game. Got our little butts out of bed and <laughs> <laughs> pounded on each other for an hour. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh had this in the ticker earlier in in the hour that Will Bolt was busy uh, today announcing the signatures uh, during the spring signing period. A couple of junior college pitchers, a lefty and a righty, one from Elkhorn South, and that's Jake Bunce, Cody Frank, a six foot two pitcher who uh, began his college career at Oklahoma State, went to junior college ranks, and now coming back to Nebraska. So uh, the guys, the Will Will Bolt, Coach Harvell, Coach Christie, busy. Getting a couple of signatures here in the spring to add to the baseball roster for next year. Your thoughts about these two additions? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, there are a few words that you can use to describe a, a player that gets me excited more than 6'5 lefty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't care, you know, where he's from or any anything that he throws or any of that. You you start there, 6'5 left-handed pitcher, and – and he got my attention. So you make him a, a local product at that from Elkhorn South. Uh, very excited that he's going to come in. Jake Bunn's come in right away and, uh, and and bolster this staff. And, you know, go get another right-handed pitcher uh, from Oklahoma. And he's no slouch either. Six junior college pitcher. So, uh, look, I'm all about bringing in arms, especially ones that are going to help right away. It was clear that – you know, Nebraska, uh, this past season, from what we did see, they had a lot of freshmen that maybe weren't quite ready that would have had to have been ready to pitch uh, for the Huskers in, in, in big-time spots. And maybe they would have been ready by the time conference play would have rolled around. But I know these guys coming in are going to help and maybe that make that transition. Plus, you give those guys that, that did get some experience – uh, the Quinn Masons, the Braxton Braggs, you know, those types of guys, another year to, to kind of prepare. And, you know, they, they've all kind of seen what college baseball is all about. I think every single person for Nebraska that traveled on that Arizona State trip pitched. Um, so that's a that's a huge thing. to see, and, and it's not just exactly mop-up duty going up against that offense. So, you know, they kind of know what, what's expected of them on the mound in college. You bring a couple junior college guys in, too. To, to add some depth gets me pretty excited. Nebraska's going to be loaded with arms going into the 2021 baseball season. So congrats to Will Bolt. Yesterday we had a, the announcement of all the basketball signees, and baseball pops in with two today. We may try to go get the coach on board with us here in the next week or so to talk about the addition of these two young men to the program. All right, that's what we have here on the show tonight. Darian Daniels going to come up next. Ben's going to catch up with him as he gets ready for the National Football League draft. He only spent one year at Nebraska, but had a big impact on the Cornhusker football program for his one year. Uh, One week from tonight is round one of the NFL draft. Uh, They carry that over three days. I don't know. We'll see what Darian thinks about his chances of getting drafted. We'll have that coming up next. Phone lines open to for you as well at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. We're back with Darian Daniels next. Sports Nightly Thursday night edition. We're off and rolling on the program here this evening. Final Sports Nightly for the week as we hand things over to Greatest Games tomorrow. Brought to you by the Nebraska Lottery. We welcome on our first guest of the show now. Happy welcome in former Husker Darian Daniels as he prepares for the NFL draft. Former Husker Darian, man, how's that sound? Uh, it's, it's weird because I was I went from 
former Cowboy to a former Husker, I, I feel old being being at a program and then being called former. It didn't seem like that long ago that uh, that that final game wrapped up your final college game. We're talking outside the locker room and we're trying to recap uh, at the time what what your year in Lincoln was like. And, you know, just watching your your brain kind of spin at that time. You've had some time to reflect since then. I'll ask you the same question. What Now that you've had some time to kind of think about it, what did last year in Lincoln mean to you? It meant a lot. It meant a lot. Um, I felt like it helped me open up a, a different, a different love for the game, a different passion for the game, and I, and it's something that I'm, I'm very appreciative of. And it's, I also got the opportunity to be out there with my brother and then make two friends and every, everything that I did out there, meet a lot of people. It, it just, it brought a lot of joy to me. I, I, I feel like that last year in Nebraska it really helped me, not just enjoy football, but just enjoy you know being a college student. I think it's a great way to to end my career. You, you've said that all along, all last year. You said you just want to enjoy it, and, you, and it was a it was an unbelievably mature way to handle it. But at the same time, you got a lot done. You were named a captain just a very short time after after being here in Lincoln, and uh, obviously your teammates thought a lot of you, and your coaches thought a lot of you. How much has that helped you? You know, just just in this sense, getting getting prepared for the business side of things, but. Um, you know, taking that, that that journey, that step in Lincoln, earning earning that C, being a captain, and you know, trying to prepare yourself for what life's going to be like after Nebraska. Uh, it's actually helped out a lot. Um, just when I talk to a lot of the, the scouts and, and the coaches, I feel like um, everything that I've done in Nebraska, I think it helped put me in a different light. It helped. Uh, it made it a lot easier going throughout this process i feel like it, it helped put me at a, at a different level and it's actually giving me an advantage over uh some of the other guys in this, this upcoming draft what's what's this this been like for you just just turning the page from college you know having fun with your brother and, and enjoying it to really you know harrowing in your focus on on one specific area which is you know your your livelihood your career in the nfl how did your mindset have to change once the realization that your college career was over in preparation for what was next as far as changing uh it didn't really change i just feel like it narrowed it helped me narrow in my focus on my craft and it's something that i've been actually waiting for a long time now and i'm really excited i'm very happy that i get the opportunity to just focus on football full time. I'm I'm very happy to worry about football and do what I love, you know, preparing myself to, to be the best uh athlete I can be. And I'm really enjoying every every second of it. And I'm actually I actually love uh talking to my brothers about the process too because everything I do, every move I make, I'm on the phone talking to him and then me telling him, you know, what I'm going through, I feel like it's throwing fuel and his on his fire and it's making him even more hungrier and it's gonna actually help him in the long run as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you know, just following your Twitter, it's clear you've been putting in a lot of work. What what's what what is something that you personally have been really trying to focus on and, and get yourself ready for? Maybe get your body where it needs to be, uh, you know, to, to to try and be as prepared as you could be for the next level. Uh, right now, it's my core. That's the that's the main thing. That's the main thing I've been kind of focused on. Talking to a lot of scouts, um, they said that I need to work on my pad level and, and coming off the ball and. When I was training, uh, when I was training back uh, back in California, that's one thing that I watched film and I had noted is that um, I do pop up kind of kind of uh, early off the ball. And when I sat down and talked to my friend, he was pretty much saying that that has a lot to do with my flexibility and a lot to do with my core. So those are two huge things I've been I've been really working on to to try to improve my game as 
tightening my core to where I have, you know, more body control and also working on my flexibility to where I can stay longer. I stay low longer uh, as long as possible. What's been the feedback you've got, man? I, I mean, like you've had a, an interesting college path, as you said, doing the graduate transfer from Oklahoma State to Nebraska, earning a captain, as we talked about. But what's been the feedback you've gotten from, um, you know, on and off the field from from the scouts and from the the people in the NFL camps? I've been getting a lot of love, actually. I've been getting a, I've been getting quite some love. One thing that's um, really good for me is that there's been a positive report from Oklahoma State and Nebraska. So it's not so. It, I think that helps out in, in my favorite shows that um, my characters it carries it carries on and, it, and it's not going to change for them to talk to my Oklahoma State coaches and the staff there, and they literally repeat the same thing that was said in Nebraska. That's been helping me out a lot. And um, type of feedback I've been getting is has really been a lot of positive. Things. Of course, there's been there's been a lot of uh, critiquing and what I need to improve on, and I, I fully understand that. And I'm very I'm very open to. Uh, to getting better, I'm, that's that's my goal is to get better. I'm just is a, a lot of teams they they show a lot of love and they they think I, my best football is ahead of me and I and I agree with them. The other part to this is your teammates. You're going through this with uh, a couple of guys up front on the D line, the twins that that you've gotten to know and. I know your relationships really improved since since you first got here to campus. What, going through this with them, you know, the tests, uh, the questionnaires, the interviews, all this part to the NFL. How much does it help having those guys in your corner? It, it helps tremendously. Just it takes a lot of the edge off. It makes it um, it helps make it a lot easier. Just being able to, to talk to them through it, kind of have an understanding of of how they're going through their things, and then like me talking to them as well. I think it's helped out a lot just for. The fact that you're going through it with somebody else and you're able to communicate that and and share some of the same uh, fears and and stuff like that, I think it helps out a lot. And I'm just very happy that I'm going through it with them. You know, they're some of my my closest friends right now, and they're people who can push me to levels I never thought I could could reach. Darian, this is a unique time to be a prospect. With everything going on in the world today, uh, being forced to work out basically individually and away from people, What's that part been like? You know, just your day to day life, just surviving, uh, being with family, but at the same time trying to prepare for what's going to be the biggest uh, next week. It'll be the biggest week of your life. Yeah, uh, it's has been easy. It's been easier. It's been easier than I expected. So my father, he he's he has some few connects down here in Dallas, and he's also uh, put in a word, and we're getting some help from uh, one of his one of his friends, and. He's uh what happened is one of the local high schools since they're since they're closed down since they're closed down, um, they're doing construction and whatever the principal he he has to be there uh, for the construction and since the school is also closed he allows me to come in and use the facility um during this time and I think that's been that's been huge for me. I've been able to get my workout in and, and keep my strength up and I've also been hitting the field uh, with a few guys and, and trying to keep my way down as well. Next week's going to be stressful, man. I know it's going to be a lot of sitting and waiting. Everybody kind of has a different strategy. What's what's kind of your mindset heading into next week with the draft and then uh, just waiting for that phone to ring for somebody to give you a chance? I'm really excited. I'm very confident I'm going to get a call. It's just it's, next week it's going to be not a celebration of getting drafted, but getting a celebration of how far I've come, um, everything that I've done in the past, a celebration not just for me, but for everybody who's helped me get to this point. Um, I just feel like everybody who's helped me get here, my family, my friends, my all my past coaches, I think that um, it's not just a big moment for me, but it's also a big moment for them as well. And I'm just 
pretty excited that I'm, I, I even had the opportunity to be in the position that I'm there. Darian, you took a chance on Nebraska to come here. You you wanted to play with your brother. We see a lot of updates on recruiting through social media now, and, and people looking for um, you know a chance to play football at the next level. And there are a bunch that are interested in Nebraska. But what would you tell those prospects if you could about the decision to come to Lincoln and 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 how it could potentially benefit them and how like like it benefited you and and why it would be a good choice to come take a shot on Nebraska. Uh. I say the number one reason why you should take a shot at coming to Nebraska is because the coaches are going to take out with you. They're going to give you every single tool you need to be successful, and they're going to give you ample opportunities to to get on the field and to show the next level what you can do. And I feel like being in Nebraska, I feel like being with that coaching staff, I didn't learn, I didn't just learn how to be a better player, but I also learned how to be a better person. Being able to spend a lot of time talking to coaches outside of my position, coach, um, I feel like with them that helped me grow as a man it's kind of shaped my mind as far as what I want to do out the football and then the fans is phenomenal you got support no matter what I feel like those are two of the biggest reasons to go to Nebraska but because the coach is going to love on you and the fans are going to love on you as well it's just the link is a great place full of love and I'm, I'm I'm really happy that I went there Darian uh you've been asked probably a lot of questions with the with the draft and with you know your future and everything kind of kind of happening uh you know with with your life and everybody getting to know you has anybody asked you what what, it, what you know getting into that end zone against Purdue grabbing that fumble with that claw and getting in there and, and what it would have been like <laughs> and what kind of celebration you had had you got in there yeah uh, it, the celebration not too much they they asked kind of they kind of asked what was going through my mind when the play happened, and then uh, I get critiqued a lot about my ball security. I'm not a best ball security, <laughs> but hey, it was it was one of those it was one of those situations where you you excited and you're not really thinking about about stuff like that. You're just trying to make sure you do everything you can to get the ball back to the offense. Oh man, it was one of the most enjoyable plays of the season watching Big Seven Nine rumble with that ball. Um, was... I, I appreciate it. Darian, good luck, man. We, we're, we're hoping for the best. We're, we're, uh, it was a pleasure to, uh, to talk to you again here today and, and watch you play for Nebraska. It was really cool watching you and your brother uh, spend time together last year as well. Thanks so much for jumping on with us. We wish you the best of luck. We can't wait to find out what your future holds. Thanks for jumping on with us, man. Uh, not a problem at all. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you again. Darian Daniels, former Nebraska defensive tackle. Man, that was funny watching that big meat hook grab that ball and thinking he was going to score against Purdue uh, recovering that fumble. But a uh, really enjoyable young man. It was really uh, – we were all lucky to get to know him for a year and um, that he took a chance on Nebraska to spend his final year with a graduate transfer from Oklahoma. Back on a snowy Thursday night. Good look outside. Flake's still flying and coming down here in Lincoln. That's all right. We're inside. A nice little cup of hot tea or something to get you through the rest of the night. Here's what we have coming up this hour. Thursdays means Teddy Greenstein night. We'll check in with our man from Chicago, reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Seven on seven, we'll pop back in. We'll get some thoughts from some, a little bit of some oddities around the world. Josh has been working on those throughout the day today. And we'll go over our, what we've been watching on, whether it's television, Netflix, Maybe a movie we've sunk into that we'd like to pass along to you. We'll get into that later on in the hour. But we start the Thursday with a talk with Teddy. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. 
He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Another week rolling by. You still can't go out and hit the tennis ball around Chicago, I guess, or you get yourself in massive trouble, right? Apparently, Greg. I mean, it is nice. The police uh, are, are exercising some reason here. So when I take my daughters, uh, who are 11 and 8, to the local elementary school, uh, we actually have to hop a fence. Um, <laughs> so then one, this one time, oh, yeah, this one time pol- a couple police cars pulled up in the parking lot. And I thought we were done. I was looking at them kind of like, you know, you need me to go. And it turned out the two of them were just chit-chatting with each other. So it's good. They're, they're exercising some, some sanity here because we're like the only three people on the soccer field for a lot of points. So I think we're probably uh, exercising some good social distancing and some safe stuff. Yeah, I would think so. Well, this week, a lot of the powers to be for college football did have a conference call yeah. with, with Vice President Mike Pence, and they basically yeah. said, we don't want to have college football unless the students are back on campus. Is that, is that what you're hearing? Yeah, um, you know, they're certainly going to err on the side of safety. Whenever I text Fitz and say, hey, what would football be like with, you know, with an empty empty stands without fans? He always says with about 12 exclamation point marks, uh, you know, health and safety of the students come first. You know, I, I heard them talking about this on the jump today and they were saying, well, how could you possibly have it where college football players uh, are are playing and practicing while the student body you know, can't be on campus. And my response is there actually is a way. I mean, if you're able to test them, uh, you know, test, say, the 100-something students and faculty, or not so much faculty, but, you know, football staff, whereas maybe you can't get testing to 50,000 students, but you could separate the football players. I'm not saying that should happen, but I think there is a way to make it happen. Uh, But really, the key is going to be how far along are we in testing in a couple months? And it does sound like there's so many coaches and, and administrators now who are going to be cautious that if these schools are not opening, uh, there's no way there's going to be college football. And that is that is a horrible specter for all of us and certainly for the athletic departments who need the revenues. Yeah, it would be a killer to these athletic – football is what survives these athletic departments. You, uh, yeah. I've got I've to gotta think, Teddy, that the city of Chicago is buzzing with this Michael Jordan, the last dance yeah. set to, to launch on Sunday. What, well, how much talk is there in the Windy City about this? Well, Greg, I have set all three DVRs in my house, and <laughs> I plan to watch it live. And I'm not even necessarily a Bulls fan. Now, I will be watching. I, I helped to cover that team in the playoffs. So I'll be looking for, like, my arm, you know, sticking in on Bill Wennington and Judd Bushler and – and maybe a little Dennis Rodman. Maybe you'll see me before I had uh, gray hair uh, for little parts of that video, but for the documentary. But people are unbelievably excited. I mean, even before the pandemic hit, people were joking that it was going to get, you know, the ratings that were going to rival the uh, 85 Bears. So now the fact that people are even more starved and we're past the Masters, the faux Masters, uh, it's going to be absolutely huge. Uh, ESPN has done a great job of promoting this. They have one on ESPN that is the, uh, I guess, PG-13 or R-rated version. They have another on ESPN2 that if you don't want your kids to hear a bunch of bleeps or a bunch of bad words, you can tune in on that. Uh, I'm actually going to play golf on Sunday. We're going to drive to Indiana across the border 
and uh, have a good time watching this two hours starting at eight o'clock central time. Everyone who has seen the previews say it delivers. Uh, so let's hope so. It's interesting to see Michael Jordan doing a bunch of media on Good Morning America. He's even publicizing it, so he must feel good about the product as well. Teddy, for, to, uh, because you live that part uh, in Chicago, for, for our audience's benefit, how big a star and how bright of a shining star was Jordan in that city during that era? You know, not only was he just ginormous, but he came around at the perfect time because – he definitely had his fun. Everybody knows that. I think he had uh, a couple apartments spread over the city of Chicago, but he was living in the pre-TMZ era. So he was largely left alone. Now, I'm sure he would dispute that because, you know, that time he took the limo ride uh, to Atlantic City, got back at four in the morning and played the next day. It became a big, big deal. But uh, he came around at the perfect time. And I'd say I've covered a lot of people. I've been at the Tribune since 1996. And he might be the only guy I've been in awe of personally where I remember some of the questions I was able to ask him. Like I asked him one time, why does Dennis Rodman appeal to so many people? And I remember he said like, well, you know, Dennis has that demonic side. He's a demon. And I think he said, we all have that side of ourselves too. So he appeals to us because we're all kind of uh, curious about what if we were as wild as he, as Dennis Rodman is, you know, what did we just, what if we all just said, screw it and, and acted out our wildest fantasies. So he gave a good answer on that. And the way he, you know, carried himself off the court was also so impressive. He was a guy, he would wait, he would wait, and then he would come out for interviews in like the best fanciest suit you've ever seen. So he was never viewed in anything like, you know, sweatpants and stuff. He, if he was going to be out in public, it was going to be, he was going to look like royalty. So his game was incredible. Um, I kind of wish he'd retired after pushing off on Brian Russell and hitting that jumper, that was basically the Swedish swish, the sweetest swish of all time. Uh, had a little stint with the Wizards, but obviously out here we just know him as uh, the greatest bull and the greatest NBA player of all time. Was he popular in the locker room? Yes and no. That's a, a good question. I mean, you know the famous story of how he popped Steve Kerr in practice, gave him a shiner, and he was relentless on his teammates. Bill Wennington tells a story of, Michael just riding him mercilessly in practice. And, you know, Bill Wennington is, at this point, you know, he's seven feet, probably 260 pounds. You wouldn't think a, a smaller guy could do that. But Michael was so tough and intimidated, guys. So Bill Wennington knew that Michael was afraid of snakes. So one day, Bill Wennington finally worked up the courage to say, if you mess with me again, there's going to be a bleeping snake in your locker room tomorrow, right in your locker so he got Michael's attention that way, and he says that uh, Michael was not as tough on him after that. So I think it's one of those deals where if you worked incredibly hard and you were fiendishly competitive like he was, he was probably good to you. And if he thought you were at all a dog, he was bad to you. I'll tell you one other quick thing, because you know this thing about the Scottie Pippen interview. I asked Scottie when I was talking to him before, uh, you know, during the All-Star break for an event. I said, what was your favorite stretch in the NBA, what was the time you had the most fun? And he said it was the year and a half that Michael did not play. So I Whoa. think that tells you a little something about, you know, Michael's level of uh, popularity because uh, he was tough on them. Wow. Teddy Greenstein is with us from the Chicago Tribune. Jordan's fran oh, former franchise, the Bulls, they've blown that thing up this week. What is going That's on with true. that franchise? Well, as you know, it's uh, it's due. It's overdue. Uh, Arturis 
Karnashovas seems to be the way uh, most people pronounce it. Karnashovas or Karnashovas uh, from the Nuggets. He's come over. He's the new president of the team. And the Bulls are getting raves for this hire. This is a guy who is completely respected in NBA circles. He has a you know modern mentality in terms of beefing up the front office, using a lot of analytics. And now he's in the hunt for a general manager. He's made some hires already, and he's gotten rid of Gar Foreman, who had a mixed legacy, you know, Drafted Jimmy Butler at number 30. Very impressive. A lot of the other moves didn't work. And big picture, this team's been treading water and really worse. They've become a completely insignificant team in the NBA and to Chicago in the last three, four years. So something had to be done. And uh, we'll see what happens next. It'll be interesting to see, I mean, who even knows if we have a season this year, if Jim Boylan will coach any more games. That remains to be seen if he's going to remain as coach. Um, But the Bulls and Bulls fans finally feel like, okay, we know – Who's in charge? What's amazing about Karnishavas is he's only the third guy in the Reinsdorf era in 35 years to be in charge of the team. It was Jerry Krause, it was John Paxson, and now it's Karnishavas. So that's how little movement there's been. That's how insular this organization has been. Wow. All right. Uh, I wake up this morning and I see some news from the PGA. They're ready to go the second week of June. What did you make of their announcement today? So I think all of us in the media had the same reaction, was, which was, are we going to be able to cover this event? So it's going to be in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Texas, June 11 to 14, the Charles Schwab Cup, I believe. Charles Schwab must be love, loving all the publicity that comes with being the first event. The PGA Tour says its first four events will be played without spectators. So that's why I'm really curious. I want to get down there and I want to experience what it's like. It's going to be a history-making event. PGA Tour sounds very confident it can pull this off, even though, as we know, it's, you know, to run a golf tournament, it's more than the players and caddies who have to test negative for the coronavirus. It's, you know, all the PGA Tour productions. It's all the scoring officials. It's the folks who drive the shuttles and stay in the hotels. But they think they can pull this off, and I admire them for trying. Golf seems to be the most logical, easiest sport to come back, non-contact, they're spread out over 100 acres on a golf course. So I, I really hope that this is, uh, is going to happen. Well, well, I think we're all getting star for this. I, I locked, locked into the, a lot of the Masters coverage last week. Yeah, enjoyed that. I, that was fantastic to see both Mickelson on Saturday and then Tiger on Sunday. And it was interesting because I feel like Tiger during the telecast wasn't giving that much. And then as soon as it was over, wow, you couldn't stop him. Yeah. He really poured his heart out in terms of how much it meant to him and to have his family there and talking about his dad and his mom and all that. And, um, you know, that stoicism really went away for a little bit as he as he let us in and showed us how much it meant to him. So interestingly, he said he would have been ready for a Masters last week. You know, my initial thought when it got postponed was this is good for Tiger because he'd had some physical problems early in the year. He needed the rest. Anyway, he said he would have been fine. And um, now we just have to hope that things can uh, get back to normal enough by November that uh, it can be a regular Masters, a -a one-of-a-kind Fall Masters. No doubt. All right, good stuff. Are you working on anything in particular right now or just kind of seeing what's happening? Yeah, a little bit here and there. There's a golf company called PXG that markets to the the upper crust. Uh, It's working a little bit on that, uh, preparing some NFL draft stuff, maybe get to some Big Ten players, uh, maybe some Notre Dame. That'll be certainly the big story next week. And, um, yeah, let's, let, let's keep pursuing this college football stuff. I don't think any decisions will be made until mid-May, but uh, we're all dying of curiosity related to that. No doubt. A week from tonight, we've got the draft starting. It'll be fun. 
Teddy, great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Take care. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with seven-on-seven drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the off-season with some seven-on-seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven-on-seven on Sports Nightly. You know, to be honest with you guys, I think this segment has has gotten stronger, the version that we've been doing it once a week instead of every day during the summer. Just, you know, the topics are are strong. I didn't know if we were going to be able to come up with topics during this time since there's no sports really going on, but I feel like it's gone pretty well. I don't know how you could ever doubt that with Brett Witte on your team with 7-on-7. Seven seven. That's true. <laughs> He's locked and loaded as always. I mean, that's like uh, that's like putting Mike Trout in a cage of BP is what uh, that's like. Uh, true. Uh, <laughs> it's fair. That is accurate. All right. Well, speaking of baseball, our first topic comes from the sport of baseball. Yesterday was Jackie Robinson Day in the MLB. Robinson is the only Major League Baseball player who has his number retired across the league. So what other professional athlete do you guys can, can you guys think of that you would do that for, retire them across the league? And then going in a different direction with it too, what Husker football player should have their jersey number retired next? Ooh. I think Nebraska's kind of gotten away from that, haven't they, for football at least? I don't yeah, know they have. I doing much of that. They, at least permanently retiring yeah, them. They have right. like, I think they have 25 that are retired, but only – Four or five of them are actually are, retired yeah, permanently. Ninety-three right. uh, is on the short yeah, list for that. I was thinking the same thing, Ben. That Sue's got to be maybe the next one to get it put up there. Um, and then, and then you got to think about, and maybe seven already is with Crouch and Frost both wearing seven. Yeah. But for pro sports, that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, it, honestly, to me. Like and this this might sound kind of morbid, but the tragedy factor I think Kobe. weighs heavily too. So you know, like obviously Kobe Bryant this last year, you know, passing away. I I feel like that that element certainly yeah. adds to you know one to on, at least in terms of honoring somebody um, posthumously. That would be that would be a good way to do it. So in, in I mean, baseball, my, my, that. In that same vein, Roberto Clemente, who had his career cut short when he died in that plane crash, he was just like a dominant player for the Pirates when that happened. That's going back several decades. Right, and I feel like that's some uh, something that is kind of along the same lines as ja- Jackie Robinson doing a lot of things outside of just the game of mm-hmm. baseball and right. the kind of person that he was. Obviously, the the way that he died was you know serving other people. So I feel like that's a really good one, Greg, of, of Clemente, of somebody yeah. that could be retired across Definitely. the league. I agree. Yeah, I was thinking Sam Foltz, too, as a Husker, retiring yeah. that 27. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. All right, uh, topic number two is a, a non, non-sports quarantine topic here. BuzzFeed freelance writer recently wrote a story about being broken up with over Zoom this past week, sparking a debate about the worst breakups people have had. So what is you guys' worst breakup story being on either end? And if you're just two cool cats and kittens who don't have any bad breakups, then do you have a, a story from one of your buddies that you're willing to share? Oh, man. Putting on a spot here, guys. I know. Holy cow. <laughs> the, I, I figured Ben would have one instantly. I, 
I can ad- I can admit this now because I was like 12 when it happened or 13 or something. <laughs> it, I was in middle school, and I was like, I, you wouldn't even call it dating, but like quote unquote going out with this girl, and I really didn't like her like like that much at all. <laughs> and so like I purposely like avoided her for however long, and and finally, she, you know, like she handed me a note one time like at the end of school, breaking up with me, and I. I've never been more relieved in my life. So, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's like that's like middle school drama. But I don't really have any. I hope she's not listening right now. That'd be kind of awkward. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't even remember her name, so I doubt she's listening to Sports oh, Nightly. Well, it's it sounds like it was a mutual decision that you guys just didn't know that <laughs> yeah. either one. But I mean, if I had to do it, like if, if you know, if it ever came down to to putting the end to something, like you know, I did it like a man. Okay. You know, at least, at least not over like text or anything like right. that. That's the thing. Is, like I, Zoom. Like, I, oh, can't you just wait? Man, a, a Zoom breakup is that's rough. Zoom that's would be better than text, yeah, but but not still much. not good. Not good. Yeah, I, I was uh, in college at, at one of a uh, party, and a buddy of mine, like in the first thirty minutes, the girl broke up with him and left, and he comes and sits at the <laughs> table, and I'm like, "You, you good, dude?" And he's like, yeah, you, "My date just broke up with me and left." I'm like, "Yeah, you're not good." <laughs> Rough. Yeah, well, the good thing is you were at a college party; you probably forgot about it rather quickly. Yeah, he did. Exactly. He was able to soak it away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, none of us had a Michael Scott moment where we oh. broke up with a girl via voicemail and she walked in on you as you're leaving the message. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was- <laughs> There was a, there was a, there were a few uncomfortable breakup scenes. Yeah, that was pretty cringeworthy. All right. Most involved, Michael. Yep, exactly. Moving on uh, to an NBA topic here. Jalen Green is a top high school basketball recruit in the 2020 class, but according to sources, he's planning on entering the G League uh, professional pathway program instead of attending college for a year. Green is from Fresno, California, and expected to be one of the top picks in the 2021 NBA draft, no matter which direction he chooses. Um, and by going to the G League, he'll be paid up to $500,000 for the year before he's eligible for the draft. So do you guys see more top prospects like Green going this direction in the future? I think this is a good thing because this is a step that guys who don't really want to go to college don't really have any interest in going to college and taking up a scholarship from somebody who could really use that as an avenue to go spend 12 months, make some money playing basketball, and then go on to the NBA. I think this is a great step. I hope more kids do this. And it allows opportunities for young men uh, who want to go to college for and get an education to get a scholarship. I think this is a good step. I was I I lost I couldn't have said it better, Greg. I I I was about to say I hope I hope more people do it. Number one to stick it to the NBA, um, <laughs> yep. to use the NCAA as a stepping stone. But number two, as you said, and I'm going to call it the Andrew Wiggins rule, who was very open about not caring about school at all at KU, um, you know, and and not caring about going to class, not caring about scheduling for classes, knowing that. He had to use, um, you know, basically a year of amateurism to get him the number one pick. And and it, I think it's abusing college basketball. I, I'm with Greg. I hope more people do it. And it's a rule that just needs to go away, period. So um, it's not a name that Kentucky can borrow for one year, flush him, and then, you know, bring bring in somebody else. Uh, instead, that scholarship may, may go to somebody that's there at least two years or three years. So I, I hope every – high school basketball player that thinks they're good enough to go pro um, right out of high school does this, and we and we don't have any more Zion Williamsons. 
Baseball has it right. They've got it th- the best model. Yep. If you get drafted out of high school, go. Mm-hmm. If you go to college, you're there for three years. Baseball's had it right for decades. Yep, I agree. Well said. Uh, topic number four. I think you guys uh, mentioned this a little earlier in the show, but news is coming out about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, that will start on Sunday. It has people talking, and one of those people is Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, Shaq spoke with Ariel Hawani of ESPN, and he says that the Lakers' three-peat team could easily beat the Bulls' dynasty. So do you guys think that this is true, or is there any team in your mind that you think could have beaten those Bulls? Didn't Shaq also say that he was scared of MJ? He did. <laughs> and that yeah, same, did say, was yeah. that the same interview? Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he was with the Magic when he was supposedly scared of them. Of him. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you get paired up with Kobe Bryant and everything changes. Uh, no, <laughs> give me the Bulls. And See, I, I don't, hated I don't that know. Lakers I, team so much. The, the Bulls' weakness was the, the, the five spot, and that's where Shaq would have been a, a huge up. And then you have Kobe to match up with. With Jordan, I think those Lakers teams are pretty lethal. I think they would have been great mat- matchups and great battles. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to sit there and pick an era or a different time. I don't know why we get into that, but Shaq is Shaq. He never has is never at a loss for words. We just yeah. put he, he, he mentioned yeah. the uh, the matchup. He says he would have just absolutely dominated the like Bill Willington, Luke Kong, Kongli, yeah. Bill Cartwright, yeah. yeah. Uh, we put out a Twitter poll asking what team would have had the best chance to beat the 90s Michael Jordan Bulls teams and put on there the Kobe and Shaq Lakers, the Showtime Lakers from the 80s, LeBron, Wade, Bosh, that Heat trio, and then the Big Four Warriors with Ooh, Durant and Curry. That's and good. So go vote. I think I'd go Big Four Warriors on that one. Yeah. Well, they speaking, would- of, speaking of Shaq, didn't his son, Sharif, had an epic tweet. <laughs> Was it about... Oh, man, it was a, something about his free throw shooting. Shaq's free throw shooting is like they named their boat something um, because they knew he couldn't hit it, hit it or something like that. <laughs> I, we'll have to pull it up, but yeah. it was, it was pretty epic. Up. Yeah, four days ago. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. All right, uh, yeah, they, na- they named his boat free throw because he'll never sink it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, love it. Boom roasted. Boom roasted. All right, well – Speaking of being roasted, a Florida judge published a letter for local attorneys earlier this week. His complaint was that the attorneys were inappropriately dressed for Zoom court hearings. Judge Dennis Bailey said, quote, one male lawyer appeared shirtless and one female attorney appeared still in bed, still under the covers, end quote. So which person that we work with would be most likely to dress inappropriately for a Zoom meeting? And also, have you guys done anything embarrassing on Zoom since this has all started? Oh, it's me. I mean, like, I I wouldn't put it past myself to sit in bed on a meeting. I wouldn't. If I'm just being honest. Um, I'm glad like you went there. Else, I feel like I've everybody not done anything. I was say I feel like everybody else is professional and you know, yeah. At least at least well, knows their I missed I missed the all staff call today. Anything from that that I missed, or there was anybody. Laying around on the couch for that thing? Or? Well, I mean, I Ben, was, was, ben was late because he was doing the, the SNBL commentary, so he was working on that. So he was late, but, I mean, he had a good reason. So. I had a pass from a teacher. That's right. Um, no, I haven't really done anything. I mean, my dog is doing her best to hog the microphone. I mean, um, at times yeah, there are a lot of dogs barking the in the background on these things. Yeah. You know, Austin and Brett, a lot of times, they just leave their screen dark. They don't even have their camera on, so we don't know what That's they're the doing. That's smart way. 
That's you know? yeah. It, it's good and bad because now we're, our minds are wondering at what they're doing, what they look like, <laughs> and, and it means I haven't showered usually. Well, <laughs> it's fair. I think SNL put out a spoof about Zoom meetings. They did, and it's pretty funny. Yeah. You, you go if you want to laugh and big chuckles, go watch that because it has all this. It has dogs barking in the background, yeah. people laying in, in spots. You're like, you're not even at your table doing this stuff. It's pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> and thankfully we don't have like hundreds of people like some companies. You know, the oh. the most that we have on a call is twelve to fifteen people, so it's right. not crazy out of hand, but. I can't imagine some of the other big company Zoom calls where there's hundreds of people on it. All right, uh, topic number six here. We've talked about the Sports Nightly Baseball League throughout the show. Tim's team is, of course, located in Hong Kong, and there seems to be a lot of action going on there. Uh, as earlier this something's week, going on over there. <laughs> earlier this week, there were reports that a pair of giant pandas at the Hong Kong Zoo mated for the first time in over 10 years. Zoo officials think that it's because the zoo was shut down and the pandas had a little bit more privacy. So what's something that you guys do when you have more privacy? Oh, I'm sure again, you're doing this to us. Whoa. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you've had plenty of time to explore hobbies while we've been under quarantine. Um, I'll let first time in ten years, boys. I'm trying so it's, to a, it's a it's a big like, deal. It's a big deal. Or is there something that you're thinking uh, of doing again that you haven't in a long time because you have? There are a lot of people who I feel like they're picking up new activities. Coach Cook on his conversation with the Cooks podcast said he did some uh, baking. He baked some cookies for the first time in in like a decade. So he's he's doing some things that he hasn't done in a while. I, this I is, have done more reading. Yeah, I was about to say, this is a really lame answer, but there was a book I read a few years ago that I've been really wanting to read again, and I don't really ever read. Drop uh, the name. It's called No Easy Day. It's about the uh, right. the mission that carried out to kill Osama bin Laden. Nice. Really okay. good, really good. Of course, many familiar probably with a movie similar, Zero Dark Thirty, which is a good movie. Right. But uh, I would say, to me, it's just watching super lame shows. So like, I mean, if, if we're trying to, like, get to the embarrassing angle like my right. wife watches this sh- show uh, i don't even know what on net on what network it is but it's about like you know young 20 something people who work at this uh like bar restaurant in los angeles tell uh, me like more. lisa vanderpump is the <laughs> vanderpump rules that's what it's called there we yep. go oh, that's right got is sucked that into e that or bravo times. it's on bravo yeah or one e of those yeah, yeah one of those i've got sucked into watching that a few times and it makes me feel better about myself nice. whenever it ends. I like it. Good stuff. We didn't mean to take that in a bad direction, so you guys are totally, you know, it's fine. All right, let's move on to uh, topic number seven. Dodgers pitcher Joe Kelly was recently working on his changeup in the backyard of his house, and uh, one pitch got away from him, resulting in a broken window in a bedroom. Oops. His uh, wife got the errant pitch on video, actually, which makes it even better, so... What's the worst damage you guys have done to your house while playing sports? Either, I mean, or somebody else's house, I guess, would count too. But probably as a kid, but maybe even as an adult, if yeah. you want to admit it. I grew up with two brothers, so we were always wrestling around. I remember one time my parents were gone. We were wrestling around. We might have even been playing like a Nerf basketball game or something, and we broke we broke a coffee table. Oof, Just shattered the man. thing. And you're sitting there going, Glass one? Yeah, it was glass in the middle. You know, it was one of those wooden oh, legs no. and then glass yeah. in the middle. We landed on top of that thing and shattered it. So we're like, well, how do we cover this up? And 
<laughs> a little hard to replace that in 20 minutes while mom and dad are at the grocery store or whatever. Not so. It's amazing how quick you go from rivals to to partners oh, in yeah. crime, yep. putting your heads together with something <laughs> yep. like that. Was everybody okay? Oh, yeah, we were fine. <laughs> uh, there was one time I was at a babysitter's house. I couldn't have been 10 years old, and I found a, a, a wooden bat that was obviously way too heavy for me and a baseball. And my babysitter looked at me and goes, don't break a window. And I said, oh, I won't. First swing, just yacked one <laughs> right through the neighbor. It was this little old lady's kitchen window oh, no. who was cooking at the time. And she said she thought her oven exploded when it went through the window. And so you would imagine Mama and Papa McLaughlin were rather pissed when they picked <laughs> me up that day and found out they had to purchase a new window. Yeah. Yeah. It took exactly one swing to ruin my fun. But, hey, I don't know my own power. What can I say? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I broke a window, too. I actually was using a baseball bat to hit a golf ball. I thought it was really fun because I could hit the golf ball a lot further than a, a baseball, just throwing it up and hitting it. And I under I even with that, knowing how far I could hit it, I underestimated and hit it a little bit too far. I was hitting it back toward the house and drilled Whoops. the window. Actually, my first day of third grade, I chucked a chunk of cement through a truck window, too, on accident. <laughs> Man, you were destructive. Oh I went through, I went through a window-breaking spell. Yeah, are we surprised, That's just though? vandalism. That's not even... You were I was like nine. <laughs> oh, that's great. Good stuff, guys. Well done on the 7-on-7. Seven seven. We're back uh, to update some more things here on a Sports Highlight Thursday. No sports on this weekend? We've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. Oh, and baby. Action! Looking forward to this. Ben, let's well, lead I'm, this off. Yeah, I'm just going to speak for everybody here. Um, <laughs> MJ Documentary oh, Sunday yeah. is on all of our lists. There's no doubt about that. I'm not just going to take the easy way out, though. I'll, uh, I'll volunteer another one as well, other than um, The Last Dance, which we'll all be watching this weekend. I'm going back to Westworld from HBO. Ooh, uh, yeah. I really, really loved the first season. Second season was terrible. Haven't watched the third season, so I'm going to go back, start over, watch. I, I'm two episodes in again from season one, and it reminded me how much I loved the first season. The second season made zero sense at all. Um, so I'm looking forward to rewatching that and seeing, A, if it gets better, and B, if I pick up anything that I missed the first time around and make it make. It's probably like. The first time I watched The Matrix, um, you know, where I had to watch that thing four or five times to even understand what was going on. But giving it another shot and then going to give season three a crack. So Westworld for me. There you go. All right. Obviously, The Last Dance is on my list to watch this weekend. A movie that I watched uh, this past week, I watched Avatar. That was a movie I haven't watched all the way through. I don't think ever. It's a long one. Yeah, it's about three hours. It takes a while. I know Brett's a big fan of it, so he can comment a little bit more on that. But, yeah, that is a movie that I, I, I knew I liked because I had seen bits and pieces of it, but actually sat down and watched the whole thing all the way through. So that's that's a good one. Yeah, so you did like it. You, you gave it two thumbs up. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Big time. Right. And, there's, a, there's a lot of people that hate it. Really? It, it, it's I know, know Tim is definitely taste. in that category. Yeah. Well, and there's, aren't there like three more coming out in the next few years? I they think haven't done a remake. They, I think they are talking about one. Yeah, yeah. I think they're in the yeah, works. Yeah, they've been filming two and three, I feel, I think, for the last five to seven <laughs> years. Was I think. When was that out? It was 2009. Yeah, 2009. 11 years ago. Yeah crazy in a very very long time it it was the first 3d movie i owned and like as like an in-home 3d movie so it has a lot of nostalgia to me there you go yeah 
All right. Well, last week I talked about community and I've actually gone back and I'm watching it through for a second time just because it it's such an odd show where the the writers were shuffled in and out and the creator was actually fired after the third season. So the fourth season is really awful and they bring him back for the fifth season. But there's just there's a, a lot of cast turnover for the last couple seasons and it just it gets really, really bad. But those first three seasons are honestly some of the best television that I've probably ever watched. Very good. Right. I need to Anything get on else? that. All right. Oh, that, My that's, turn. Yeah, that's, that's it. Okay. Uh, you know, Ken Burns, he's a great filmmaker. A lot of people probably have seen his baseball series that he did, and it's worth a re. And I, in fact, I think I may go back. We had a thing on seven on seven about something you'd like to. That's something I'd like to go back and rewatch that again. But I am watching his other one. He did a three parter about the Roosevelts from Teddy through the, you know, to Franklin. And I'm not through it all yet. It's it's about there. Each part's about two hours. I'm into the the uh, second one right now, so I'm enjoying that. It's on PBS. Ken Burns wonderful filmmaker and again i think i am gonna go back and pick off have you seen his baseball documentary i have again? oh yeah yeah josh and i watched it together not love that it. long yeah. ago yeah it's awesome i love the back. civil war one yeah i need to watch that one too but i'm into the roosevelt right now i love presidential history type things so that's been fun uh nothing goes better with husker sports than fairberry fairberry premium quality hot dogs deliver the home game experience to your family and friends fairberry the official hot dog of Husker Nation. What a fun hour. Always great to hear from Teddy Greenstein. We had a great time with our 7-on-7, and we hope you enjoyed our Flicks Picks for the night. Great stuff from Ben, Josh, and Brett on Flicks Picks here on Hour 2 of Sports Nightly.